Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Meg Hanshaw, the host of the Current Issues in Education podcast, where we try to say it like it is about the current U.S. education system and provide a new paradigm perspective into a more healthy and empowering system of teaching and learning. Today's episode is called All History is Critical, where our four guests from high school students to educational leaders discuss whether or not state governments should interfere with what teachers teach and students learn, especially when it concerns the historical truths about a country. In the last couple of years, there has been legislation passed that banned the discussion, training, and orientation that the U.S. is inherently racist, as well as any discussions about conscious and unconscious bias, privilege, discrimination, and oppression, such as critical race theory. These parameters also extend beyond race to include gender lectures and discussions. So currently, there are over 20 states in the U.S., such as Idaho, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, New Hampshire, North Dakota, and South Carolina, who have passed or are in the process of passing this type of legislation or have created guidelines to bar any of these types of discussions in schools. This educational issue is extremely important to not sweep under the rug and to have a mature conversation about without blame, judgment, or disrespect. I believe that when adults and young people can model authentic conversations like this, we will be more likely to create safe and creative learning environments where everyone thrives. So I invite you to join us with your open mind and heart and enjoy this conversation and see what you think. Even one of our guests has a change in perspective by the end. Welcome, everyone. Let's just spend this next few minutes introducing yourself and just say one or two things about you. Um, I'll go first. My name's Satori Griffith. Um, I just graduated high school and I'm attending CU Boulder in the fall and I'm majoring in communications and I'm one of the authors who wrote the blog that we're going to be talking about today. Um, I'll go next. Hi, my name is Stephanie Fister. Um, I just graduated from high school. Um, I actually attended high school with Satori. Um, I'm, I'll be studying psychology, um, attending Northeastern University in the fall. Um, yeah, and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> My name is uh, Ebony Phillips. I am currently um, in a doctorate program to get my EDD in education leadership. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Jan Ramirez. Uh, I'm an after-school program coordinator at a high school in San Francisco. Um, that's my day job. And my night job is uh, I'm a host and producer of 34 Questions podcast. Um, yeah, that's, that's who I am. Okay. Well, welcome, everyone. I seriously am just excited to begin this and um, have this really awesome conversation about um, what is or should be taught in our history courses in high school. 
And so the question that we're going to be answering today is, do you think the government should intercede with what teachers teach and students learn, especially when it concerns the historical truths about a country? Um, I'll start. I think that the government should intercede in that they should only be teaching the actual truths of the history of this country and not what they believe is the truth. Like, I feel like they should just teach what really happened, not the whitewashed version. And if that is not being taught by the teachers, then the teachers should take it upon themselves to also be teaching the truth. Because I have a distinct memory of growing up and learning about, for example, Christopher, Christopher Columbus and how he sailed the ocean blue and came to America and he found America and all was happily ever after. But the truth of the matter is that the Native Americans were already there. And then they were killed and raped and colonized into practically, and they were practically obliterated into nothing. And we don't learn about that. We don't learn about the true true history of like Thanksgiving, for example. We have this romanticized version of um, the pilgrims and the Indians sat down at dinner with a cornucopia and ate a turkey and shook hands. And that's not what happened. No, they... They, they were attacked and killed and just conquered. And it, that's not what happened. I think Thanksgiving is a nice idea, but it's not the, we don't, we don't learn about the truth of what happened. So I think the government should maybe put it upon themselves to only be teaching the actual truth of what happened and not this happily ever after type of story. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit different perspective on it. Um, I don't think the government should intercede uh, with teachers uh, teaching the truth in education. I, I don't understand why that would be a government led initiative. When schools originally started, the government did not really have a hand or want a hand in education, but their hand was forced at one point and they jumped in. And it seems as though once government started to um, mix in with education, I don't know if that's the right word, it just became this machine, right? This, This machine, this industry of producing um what government thinks is the ideal um i guess citizen for what's to come right whatever that may be for the for the future um and so i just don't understand why this has to be government regulated it it, it just it's I'm still trying to wrap my brain around this because I just don't understand the need for being forced to tell the truth. What is that? Right. And is it really about being forced to tell the truth or is it let's bring the government in to shut it down? Because any 
the research that I have been doing just to kind of prepare for this, I'm hearing more of it's about shutting down the truth about history. And so it's just another form of control. And being an African-American woman, I've just, I've grown up under control. For me, when writing this, I, um, I took a class my junior year of high school called Race in America, and we ended up watching a video about, it was in a small southern town, I want to say like Georgia or something, but I'm not sure. And it was majority um, like white people speaking about how in the schools they're scared of conversations about racism, segregation, eventually like creating more problems. And how they're, I took from the video that a lot of people are kind of stuck in this place of like fear and not wanting to like go back and acknowledge, look at and examine faults, problems, et cetera, and really like move past that and learn about it to hopefully what, by what we're doing, create like more knowledge and understanding about what's happened. So that's kind of what I, when writing it, kind of thought about. I think the reason for my opinion of this is that, like you mentioned that, um, Ebony, you mentioned that growing up, you felt like you were always being controlled. For me, I feel like growing up, I've always been lied to for history. And so that's why I feel like when people should learn history nowadays, there should be some format. So that way there's only this, the truth of what happened. Because I I feel like in a lot of things, I just, like, I either, it's either just this make-believe version of what happened, or you just don't hear about what happened to the people that were colonized. Sure, absolutely. And I totally get what you're saying, Stephanie. You know, uh, growing up myself, those things were not, the history of everyone is not what was taught to us. I will speak from the the space of being an African-American person. You know, history for me picked up from slaves falling from the sky and now falling from the sky and working for the white man, right? That is what I learned in school. Everything else seemed to be concealed. The difference for me was at home, I was being taught my history. At home, I was being shown the truth, right? And so I do not have the full feeling of being lied to. However, I do know many people of color who do feel that way. As a matter of fact, I was having a conversation with my cousin last night who said this same sentiment that you did, that he felt lied to. But I still don't think that that is something that the government should come in or will come in and enforce. If, if their reasoning is to make sure that all history is learned, but that's not the case. It is, let's silence it. And um, Satori brought up something about fear. I've always thought 
that the host culture, which is white America, has always lived in fear. Always, always fear the black person. Right? For whatever reason, you have so many different races in the world. And it's like us that it feels like we're always come after. And there is this fear. And so laws and policies and procedures and things are built on that fear. So underneath it all is a fear. So if you regulate and you're regulating them, educators not be able to tell the history of all, you absolutely better believe that there's a fear because when people do not know themselves, they cannot be empowered. You're only empowered when you know who you are. And so um, government doesn't want people to know who they are. We're going to have too many powerful people. <laughs> too empowered people that's going to rise up, right? So that's my opinion. I just wanted to um, put my answer into the question. Uh, I was thinking about it a lot, and I think it's a pretty heavy question that I haven't fully fleshed out myself yet. But my instinct of do you think government should intercede with teachers teach maybe for English, maybe for math. Like if we have a standard that kind of keeps that there, but for history, I think it's, it's not one of those things that they should be touching. Um, and another thing that I think complicates things is who's the teacher and what do they want to be teaching? Um, so just all that kind of, it makes it more complex in my mind where I almost want to find the middle ground or a compromise. Um, if they're gonna do something like this, I think it should stop at maybe fifth grade level. And then from sixth grade up to 12th grade, you're having students be open to learning more or in different ways. Um, and I don't know if that's, I don't wanna call them the opposition, but the, the other side of it is that maybe parents just don't want their kids to learn all these complex histories at such an early age. and um, whether that's a good or bad thing, I I'm not sure. Uh, but I think maybe that's what some parents' concerns are. Is like, I don't want my kids thinking about these things until a certain age. I don't think they should completely like cut it out, you know, and not teach them at all, which, um, which is concerning to me. Um, but yeah, for me, as far as trying to find the middle ground, I feel like maybe that's where a compromise could be at. What do you guys think? I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a compromise on truth. Truth is truth. Um, and to want to shield people from the truth is actually a dangerous thing in my case. When you're a minority, you don't get the opportunity to be shielded from anything. From a very young age, we have to teach our children the disparities that they're going to come up against in America, because that is the reality that we live every day. So you have a set of, of children that are living in reality, another set that just is living oblivious. That's what we have right now. <laughs> and it and it's all of these problems. So it is, you're right, Jen, very complex, but I think it's complex because we've made it complex. Truth is simple. It's not complex. It's simple. It's do you want to hear it or not? Do you want to know it or not? Do you want to take responsibility for it or not? And a lot of people, I believe, 
choose to not take responsibility. So therefore, let's let's hide it. It's not I got you. Um, I agree. Like I think there's truth, and you can match the truth to like children. For example, like. I mean, you're taking history classes in like fifth and sixth grade. You can match truth for maturity level. It just, it just, when you take pieces of the truth away to make it more appropriate, it doesn't serve, teaching history doesn't serve its purpose then. Mm-hmm. Here's also my thing. I always believe in, in, <laughs> with anything that the government comes into now maybe this is ebony conspiracy theory but follow the money follow the money what is behind the need to control not hearing the truth about history what what what's behind it and typically there's some money trail. Again, by, just my opinion, it could be my conspiracy theory, but typically there is some financial gain for somebody, some political gain for somebody, some power move for somebody. We just keep regurgitating the same old um, narrative of divide. This is just another way to keep division going. This shouldn't even be, in my opinion, something that we should even have to discuss or having people out there brutally disagreeing with each other and, and, and violating each other over what? What is the point of it all? It's to keep divide going. And, and, and this has been a tactic that has been ever since probably man came on this earth, right? Because we're just, we're complicated. Uh, but definitely since America has been created. Yeah, I was thinking, um, I was hearing what everyone was saying. And I, the question comes up for me, what is the fear of a child learning the truth about the history of, let's just say, the United States of America, the true history of Native Americans, of African Americans, of Latinos, of Asians, you know, any any group. What What is the fear? What could actually happen? Because psychologically, Children want to know the truth because they want to be able to make their own decisions about it. They want to be able to, you know, when we look at the new paradigm of education, we see all children as totally creative, capable, and complete. What would they do if they found out the truth about African-American history? What would happen to them if they found out about Native American history? What would happen to them? You know, that's a great question, Meg. And I think that the issue may be that that those adults who don't want their child learning, it's not about the child. It's about that adult not wanting to get exposed. 
right? It's about that child not asking mom, dad, what have you done? How did we contribute? What, you know, what, 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 as kids go on, because as children learn, more and more questions come up, right? From a very innocent place, but some hard hitting, thoughtful questions. Adults probably do not want to confront what they haven't done or what they have done to contribute to what is being seen. So no, it's, it's, again, I don't want to take responsibility. So, so please don't tell my child about this. Why? Again, when you are a a minority, you don't get that. You you don't get that option of not being, uh, learning the truth. And if you do, it can literally kill you. That is the difference for us. If we do not tell our children the truth, they will die. Yes. And so how how fair is that? Take take that that shoe off one foot and, and show some empathy and put it on the other foot. How do you think we feel? There's a lot we don't want our children to know, but we do not have an option because their life depends on it, especially if you're raising boys of color. From my experience, um, I'm, I'm multiracial. I'm Asian, Hispanic, and Native American. Um, and growing up, my I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, though, and my parents, they, they raised me white, <laughs> to put it simply. I was raised white because my mom, who migrated to the country when she was 18, she wanted to give me the most opportunities possible, and she wanted me to live like an American and to fit in with everybody else and not get judged or bullied or whatever. And so they sheltered me from these truths. They sheltered me from a lot of things. However, no matter how much they tried to shelter me and tried to like kind of keep me in that same mindset that all the other um, white kids might have, you know, I, I didn't look white growing up (laughs) and it was very obvious. And I had, to learn on my own all these truths. I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn that I'm I'm not like them. I can't just be in the ignorance is bliss world. And so I think that like, and I think that they sheltered me from the stuff because they wanted me to have us to live a certain way, to live in this paradise that, that is, that, that I, I guess um, white people ha- are perceived to have. And they were scared that if I knew these truths, then, you know, I, I, would, I would just automatically not be able to have it. I think, so that's just, it's just adding on to fear in a different way, I guess. But it's always this fear of, okay, if you know, now, now you're just not going to be as happy. Now you're going to know all these like, bad things in the world and just i don't know i think uh you know ebony and stephanie i think those fears are are true as well um i think another one would be just a fear of change um you know the more that these kids know the more that they're empowered and the different decisions they'll make later down the line um so i think the decision makers now are kind of seeing that that was happening um the truth was getting out there more kids were um, up to the up to game about what was really happening in the history and they're like well, we can't 
we can't let this continue because it's going to mean changes for us and how America is at, at the moment and how it's been and where it, it can be, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Um, so, yeah, I think change is another thing that people fear um, how it's going to, you know, um, inspire the next generation. Um, and honestly, it's, it's something I'm excited about, but I'm not the person making the decisions. Uh, but yeah, so fear, I think I change is another thing I think they fear. You're so right, Jan. People really do fear change. You're so right about that. But what? It's inevitable, though, too, though, right? Change is inevitable. And what I love about our young people coming up is that our, our, our Gen Z, our uh, millennials, you know, are, what, what's the next one coming up behind the Z? Alphas. Alphas, you know. What I love is how they've empowered themselves, right? So they are taking it upon themselves to have, to go out and get this information for themselves and to process the information for themselves. They're so bright and many are seeing through a lot of what they were told and they're disappointed in ways. But what I see is they're turning that disappointment into ways to make change and ways of making change. And they're really starting to do things differently, even though old heads like me or, you know, might be trying to get in the way and block things. Right. They're still making strides to do things better. And they are so intelligent, they are so creative, they are so bright that I have a lot of hope in our young people coming up to change what so many of us did not get the opportunity to do. Sure. Um, I have a quick question for Satori and Stephanie. Uh, Since you guys have the most recent experience being in history class, in a, in a high school, um, what was that experience for you guys? Was it something that you felt like was the truth or did you have to kind of do your own research outside of class or maybe, you know, maybe just YouTube videos that it, it show the truth as well? Um, I kind of want to know what your experience was like. Well, me and Stephanie, we both went to a pretty small Episcopal high school. So, Personally, I took history courses like Race in America that would focus more on stuff that I wanted to know. Unlike, I mean, I think there was a handful of kids in my Race in America class. I think there was probably like six kids in there. And it was open to juniors and seniors. But as of like regular history classes, it wasn't until junior year when I got a really awesome history teacher who actually took the time to show videos to make things uncomfortable to like teach us what has happened in our history how we can like it wasn't just oh this has happened it was this has happened what like in the future what can we do about it so I had one really great teacher who did that for me and I shout out to them because they completely changed my way of thinking because, I mean, I 
I don't go home and get lectures and talks about how to be safe. Um, And I think having those teachers that teach you these important and critical thinking and learning skills, I think that's really where, where it starts. Uh, I would say I've had a pretty similar experience with um, that Satori just shared in that I've had teachers that just, they, they taught whatever the textbook said, whether that was the truth or not, whatever was in it, that's literally what they did. They like for a class, they might just literally read a chapter and that would be it. But then I've had teachers where they, they would talk about these things and they, they were great. And they actually made me want to participate and want to ask questions because before these teachers, I would feel uncomfortable asking questions. I would feel uncomfortable maybe saying what I thought about something. Um, I would feel uncomfortable every time we got to these difficult conversations and I was the only person of color in the room and everybody would just like kind of give me side glances or side eyes because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm like, they think that I'm going to like get mad at them. Like they think I'm going to say you're guilty or you suck, something like that. I don't know. (laughs) But I would say that it's not limited to just history because I've had English classes where we read books that describe the, the experiences that people of color in America have had, the people of color all over the world have had. And there would be times when I want to make a comment on something or I want to talk about something and I would, and then everybody would be so uncomfortable and would change the topic as soon as they could because they, they, they don't feel comfortable talking about this. They feel guilty, whether they, which they shouldn't necessarily feel guilty because the book's not about you, um, but they would feel guilty and then they would feel uncomfortable and they would be dreading the class every day because they have to talk about something, have to hear these truths that might put them, make them see a perspective that they're not comfortable with. I like what you said about the book's not about you. Like, I think that really resonates, especially with what we're talking about. Like going back to this like fear and control kind of aspect, I think like a lot of people that I've had conversations with are like, oh my God, we're like talking about this again, really? And I'm like, okay. And they like refuse to accept that it's not a hit at you. The books aren't trying to make you feel bad. They're teaching you what happened. It's not, you didn't carry out these acts directly. It's just, it's a part of my history. It's a part of your history. I also think that like, we, I don't know, just these history classes, we really need to, modernize them in the way that we really just need to start talking more about the truth and more about what happened and less about we we need to incorporate the perspectives of people who who may have not always come out victorious throughout history because I have distinct memories of I would ask my teacher 
um, when learning about, for example, like the segregated schools, I would ask them, well, what about Asians? Where, where did they fall in this? And the teacher would look at me and say, I don't know. And I'd have to go home and I'd have to ask my mom, hey, what, what happened? What, do you know anything? And I mean, she didn't, she doesn't have an American education, education, so she doesn't know the American history, but she, she, she'll at least tell me something. <laughs> um, she'll tell me more than I don't know. And I think that this kind of ties into something we talked about earlier, where there might be a certain age that you start bringing this stuff in. I think that, no, I think you should just start teaching it from the very beginning, because if you don't, then I don't know. I feel like it would always just be like this outsider topic that you brought in. You just need to teach it from the get go. And so that way, like, you know, you always know what has happened throughout time. Um, So many things I want to say, both you and Satori just made some wonderful um, comments that just got my, my head going. Um, One of the things that I was just thinking about is that if imagine, right. If we told the truth about history, what people would find is just about every single race or culture has some type of oppression. So what can happen is the playing field is level. See, right now, the way it it appears, when you look at society, it appears that it's white, against blacks, browns, yellows, right? It, it appears that way. But I think if people hold the truth, even, even for our white sisters and brothers, they would learn about their own oppression, right? They will learn about the, the uh, travesties that happen within their own race and within their own culture. And in doing that, you can really start leveling the playing field and bringing some empathy in. Because then this way we can all begin to understand that we are all pawns in a way, right? (laughs) To this thing called life. And in life, you always have those that, that want power, go for power and do whatever it takes to have power. And then you have those that are under the, the thumb of power. And I think if uh, possibly if people started to think about the truth in that way, maybe it wouldn't be so scary. Maybe it would open up more conversations like, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, being of German descent, we went through that. I didn't realize that being an Asian, there were concentration camps here in the States for where they threw us. Hey, I didn't know that being Polish was right. Because we're all really a mix of everything, if you ask me. I don't think there's a pure anything. You know, that, that's just me. Um, and so there is something to this, this, this truth that I think would level the playing field. Another thing I, I want to bring up, um, where Satori talked about privilege, white privilege. And it's interesting because it just made me, her comment made me think about something differently. Is being white really privileged? Because what I see as being white is somebody who has been in the dark, (laughs) in the dark for years. And when you're in the dark, you're not free. It's everyone else that's living in reality 
that sees what really is going on because you're forced to, right? Especially if you're a person of color uh, or a woman or uh, someone who is has a you know different sexual presence, preference, right? Where when you let me put when you sit on the outer banks of what society says is right, you really to me operate in reality. So that privilege, is it really? Am I privileged? Because every day I get up in the dark about what's really going on in the world around me. To me, that's a prison. What's coming through me right now is the question, if we could create a new way, totally throw the old way of educating around history, whether it's an English class or wherever, what could be some new ways, new paradigm ways of allowing the brilliance to come out of every student so that playing field gets valued? Each person's passion and experience around, let's say, history gets valued. I personally think like the first step to that is talking about the uncomfortable situation, like conversations that make people kind of, there's like breakthrough that ignorance for, for me specifically, like when I had a really great teacher that I was talking about earlier, when she made conversations uncomfortable, the whole class You could like see people shift in their seats and you could also like people started just saying things, just getting out opinions. And it didn't matter if they if you agreed with them or not. It was more of just like, let's start the conversation. Let's begin it. Let's expand on it. Like everyone has to like say something, contribute something. And by doing that, it was like opening up for everyone to be able to like lay it all out and just talk about it. So creating a space where the teacher feels confident to be able to do that, to allow students to have their own opinions. And and if people are uncomfortable be okay with that uncomfortableness. The teacher is okay with that. I'm assuming that that teacher would have to have that ability to be able to do that. Absolutely. That takes so much self-awareness as a leader. And that teacher is the leader of that classroom. They have to be aware of their triggers. They have to be aware of their biases, right? They have to be aware of their emotions and things in order to be able to create that space for young people to explore. And that's quite challenging. I think that as much as it would be nice to picture a classroom where there's just like open discussion and every student will participate and just say what's on their mind. I know for a fact that Although, yes, the because I, I had the same teacher that Satori is talking about, and I was in that classroom. And as much as she did her best, and she she's truly a great teacher, and she did her best to make the to make people talk about this stuff, there are students in there that are just going to say exactly what they think she wants to hear, not what their opinion is. They're just going to say something like like they're a robot, just 
to get that sentence out there, say they did, they participated. So that way they can get a good grade and that's it. And then they move on with their life and they don't actually mean it. They don't actually care about what they said. They don't care about anything, but just that grade. And I, so I think it might come back to the parents because at the end of the day, your children are kind of a product of, of your parents and the environment you grew up in. And I think you need to do something more, like the teacher in the classroom will, can do something. But at the end of the day, it's the parents that are creating that student that's in that classroom with you. And so they need to be, they need to teach their kids to be more open. They need to teach their kid that like, hey, this is the truth. There needs to be some, some major change in society that yes, everyone's 50% of the country is going to get mad at because 50% of the country is always mad. But like, for example, you, we stop celebrating Christopher Columbus day, maybe change that to indigenous day and actually teach the truth of why we celebrate that. Sorry if I bring up Christopher Columbus a lot. I have beef with that man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not his biggest fan. But but like maybe you start by that and you just teach that this is what happened. So that way, maybe that when they're in the classroom, they'll actually be open to the other opinions. They're not just thinking, um, no, that's wrong. Uh, Looking at it another way, a lot of parents are traumatized, especially when you or or live in fear of having those open conversations with their children because many haven't really processed it thoroughly themselves, if that makes sense. They just get up day to day and they're just trying to do life and get through it the best they can. Uh, and to have those kind of conversations is too much. That's why uh, Dr. Meg and what she's doing is with her organization is so powerful in teaching these uh, coaching approaches to it to, to help people work through their trauma and, uh, and you know, so that they can, they can pass that type of learning on to their children. So my charge is do better, right? Do better than we did. So you understand now that uh, a, a start to this is having open conversations. So as you start to have children, as you start to have nieces and nephews, as you start to gain influence over circles of people, you model that, right? You model that so that it will begin to catch on and, um, those more open conversations can begin to happen and, and it'll become a way of life. Oh, Ebony, you, you, one key word that you said that stuck out in my mind was explore um, more, more exploration. Um, if there was anything going to be new that I would like to see brought into the curriculums and schools is uh, just more exposure to different cultures, whether it's different events, um, actually have the kids go to these places, meet these people, see what, what, what makes their cultures rich. Because um, in my mind, I think we, ha- as educators, we have to spark the curiosity in a child uh, for them to really, you know, be driven and motivated to learn about something new or something different. Um, so bringing them to these places and exposing them to different cultures, I think is one way um, that can add to their experiences and help them to make more informed decisions um, as they get older. You're so right on that, Jan. Here's the funny thing, though. 
when I was uh, researching for our topic, I was seeing that the government is stopping the practice of having and giving credit for students going out to different cultural events and things. You see, this is why it's dangerous, <laughs> this government thing. That's one thing that my parents did when I was younger. My mom and dad made sure that my sister and I were just exposed to all culture. We went to all kinds of cultural things. So for me, don't get me wrong in this because people will attack for this. Color is not necessarily what I choose to see first in people. I recognize it's there. I have to, right? It's, it, my safety depends on it. But what I choose to concentrate on is the humanity and the character of people, right? And so, but that learning came through being exposed to all kinds of people, right? And, 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 and things. And here government is saying, no, we, we want to take that away. That's going to be devastating. Mm -hmm. And for those that already signed those bills, that's devastating. Can you imagine? Mom, I want to go learn about my, my Asian American sister. One of my dearest, dearest friends in this world is Vietnamese. So imagine if, if, if I wasn't brought up to be open-minded and cut off from even learning about it, my curiosity, we wouldn't be. That is dangerous to me. Um, hearing everything that you've said and throughout like this entire discussion, I, I think back to what I initially said about how the government should intercede. And I think that my idea is idealistic, thinking that the government could do something so that way we only hear the truth, the real truth of what happened. But like, you're, you're right. Like they're, they don't care. <laughs> the truth of the matter is they, they, don't, they don't care about us, about really anyone. They care about money. And um, that sucks, but that's the way it is. And so it would just come down to the teachers and the students. And it's important that we learn about these things because although, I mean, I like what you said about how like you don't see, necessarily see color first, because I agree with that. I think color is more of context and who they are as a person as well. That's who you are. That's how you should describe yourself. That's um, what's important. And um, I think other colors, context, you need to understand culture and you need to be able to just learn about these things. And so basically I retract my initial statement. Um, <laughs> the government really should not be involved in this because in addition, like, although pretend the government did get involved, um, private schools are private because they didn't want the government involved. That just creates more divide between private and public schools as well. And that causes a whole other set of issues. Yes. And I'll end with one question. Mm -hmm. And that question is, what if it was possible to support educators in creating learning environments that were emotionally safe for students 
to not just make up answers because they need to check off a box, but they truly feel safe enough to just have a true conversation around what's important to them about the history for them. And I heard, I heard um, Stephanie saying that, yes, our parents can support those children or those students. And, you know, if they can't or they, or they don't feel safe to, what if we trained educators to do that? Because we can see a shift in them when they do get those leadership skills to be able to go in and be able to understand and allow students to truly, just like we're doing here, have a truthful conversation about how they're feeling and what they value and what they want to learn. So if every student got to express what they've learned about their culture and history, do that, and, they, and the students were taught how to converse with each other, and the ones that got mad and angry weren't yelled at, but, we, but were taught how to learn to accept everybody's viewpoint, that everybody can have a different viewpoint, and it doesn't mean we need to fight over it. Because from my opinion, this is what's happening is these teachers and the government are afraid there's going to break out in riots and fights and, and people getting empowered, as Ebony said, that they can step up and make change and not take what the government says in a, with a you know, just like, that's what we're going to do. The government says it, so we're going to do it instead of, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. We need to vote differently. We need to get more people together to, to make a change. And so what if that's possible? Or could it be possible? And we think it is possible because we've seen it. So what do you all think? You know, uh, as you described that, uh, Meg, what what my imagination brought me to was history class they bring up a certain uh, thing that come uh, let's say civil rights movement and then almost have every kid well whoever wants to speak on it um, what they've heard about it or how has it affected their family and their culture Uh, so I mean in that sense I can I feel optimistic and can say that maybe yeah it could work out uh if kids are feel empowered enough to speak amongst their their teacher and their classmates about what they were taught at home or what they've been taught, you know, in their other ways of learning. um, I think that would be huge, you know, it's just, uh, but I think, I don't know. I remember myself being in high school. I don't think I had that courage to to speak on those kind of topics and subjects. Um, Maybe because I didn't feel like it was relatable to anyone else in the classroom um, or, Maybe I didn't feel confident in what I knew in that moment. Maybe I was wrong and I was like, maybe I shouldn't say anything. Um, but yeah, I, th- I totally think that it, it is possible. And I guess it also depends on the teacher who uh, who can make that space and make it feel com- comfortable enough and safe enough for students who, who want to share. Yes. And I think what you're saying there, Jan, is the truth because, and I think Stephanie hit on it too, students are not feeling safe enough to to speak up. And I think when you look at the system itself, that is inherent of the system. We don't want you to speak up. And 
we believe here at IBME that the system, that is part of the system that has to change because we want you to feel able to speak up. And no matter what you say, it's okay. And that's where we're, we are not there in the education system. So I think you're all bringing up the truth of where the education system is. And the question is, is it possible to shift that so that changes so people can express what is really true in their hearts and learn from each other and make that playing field even? That's our vision. And I'm, we're not saying it's easy but we've seen bits and pieces of this happening all over the world. And there's, and like, even in your classes, when you have good teachers, there are some students that do feel that safety that can speak up. I think it's definitely more possible in certain areas of the country than in others. I think it also depends. It, it's greatly influenced by the environment you're in, especially in high school, because in high school, it's you, you follow the herd, you follow the pack for the most part, because you're scared of standing out. You're scared of not fitting in because that's, that's all you want to do when you're a teenager. You just want to fit in with everyone else. And so I think it's hard to maybe speak your mind in a sense, because it's like, okay, well, if the, if, if everybody disagrees with me, I'm going to get judged. I'm going to get hated on. And so, yes, it, it, it goes back to fear. But I think in certain environments in the country, it's just, it's a lot more possible just because of where they're located. Mm-hmm. And in other areas, it's just not as likely because the students just aren't as they're, they're, they're still in their um, ignorance is bliss reality where they don't understand the full truths of everything. And so they're just going to judge you for what you say. Right. And that keeps people from speaking up because of the fear of judgment. Absolutely. And so we would have to shift that too. We would have to shift that feeling of being afraid to be judged and people judging. And that's exactly right. We do have a lot of judgment going on in our schools and it is scary. And so it's hard to even understand how it could be any different. Um, I guess just that everything takes time. And if you look back, like there are so many things that we would have never even talked about. Like you, we wouldn't even have been having this discussion. Who knows how many years ago, maybe even just three years ago. So everything just takes time and in a certain amount of time we'll get there and we'll be able to just speak and have these truths out there and just be free. I completely agree with what you said. I mean, I think for so long, this country was on a steady path of this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. And then all of a sudden we like shift in beliefs and, and sharing their thoughts and becoming more like open to expanding their own like taking their education and into their own hands I know Stephanie's done it I know I've done it so I think seeing that shift quickly happen like I don't know in the matter of few years I think that's why we're having this conversation and seeing these bills being made I am thinking of 
the students who are in those nine states where the bill has passed. And I'm kind of thinking about what their reaction might be um, because, I, you know, they are still able to do their own research and are still exposed. You know, the Internet has all this information. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just super curious how this happened this year and it kind of takes an effect this school year coming up. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how how that plays out. Like, will kids fight back against it? Because um, I'm, I'm and this is coming from adults who are trying to tell them this is what you should learn. So uh, I, know, I know that doesn't go well all the time when it, when you handle students that way. But I think this was definitely a great place to have a discussion about it. And, you know, I want to thank you, Meg, for for inviting me and uh, Ebony, Tori and Stephanie for for allowing me to be a part of this discussion. I want to thank our guests, Stephanie, Satori, Ebony, and Jan, for having the courage to speak from their hearts, have an impactful conversation, and make a difference. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I invite you, our listeners, to check out our Empowerment Education Revolution website at eerev.org. That's eerev.org and make comments about this podcast on our All History is Critical blog. And while you're at it, sign up to be an audio guest on one of our future Current Issues in Education podcasts. I would love to have you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.